Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. FRESH is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a team operating system for the modern employer, redefining connection and productivity through web-based personal operating profiles combined with AI dashboards. Our guest today is Karen Manja. Karen is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, keynote speaker, coach, and executive at Salesforce. She is a catalyst who uses curiosity and creativity to empower individuals, teams, and organizations to sustain success. Karen, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I feel like it's a breath of fresh air based on your opening values that you shared. Well, good. It's going to be a great episode. Before we dive in, though, I want you to tell us a little bit more about you and your work Specifically, and maybe I just, I would say, make sure you include some information about all of these incredible books that you have authored. Would love to hear more. I've always loved storytelling and stories. And I think back to being a child and loving to read books and then reaching about middle school, junior high age, and I would write plays and cast my cousins in them and neighbors and carry that forward into one of my degrees with telecommunications and doing some work in broadcasting. And it's interesting when I think about it now, you know, you see these snapshots of yourself over time and these different versions of what you could be when you grow up. And the great thing is over the course of a career, you can kind of be all of those things with a little patience. I mean, when I was leaving university, my aspiration was to work for Nielsen, which was the company at the time that did all the ratings because I had been doing market research with a professor as a job and we would take what we heard and turn it into stories. And when I think about how my career progressed, I started in project management, then sales, sales leadership, voice of the customer, and now coming fully forward into a role where my opportunity is to do thought leadership, which at its core is about understanding stories from our customers about the challenges they're trying to solve, and then creating a compelling vision of the future for and with them, and then sharing what we discover from our customers. When I think about how that all threads together, I I get to listen to stories, I get to write stories, and ideally look in the direction of helping people move from intention to impact. Whether we're talking about the future of work, and we're all aspiring to have workforces that live well and work well and are productive that we retain, whether that's people thinking about how to engage customers differently, or whether that's thinking about the software solutions or workflows that might enable you to realize your outcomes, storytelling is really still the core and the true north of my career along with time with customers. Isn't it so 
interesting how hindsight really is 2020. When you look back, you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. I can just, I can see that common thread through all of it. Yet as you're going through it, it doesn't always feel quite that way. We talked a little bit before we hit record on this show about how you are an accidental author. Tell us the story about how you came to write your first book and and maybe share a little bit about each of the other books that you've published. Do you have a leader or someone in your network who's almost like kryptonite to you? Because regardless of what they ask you, whether it's convenient or not, you're compelled to say yes, right? There's something about them. That was my path to accidental author. Uh, There's a woman by the name of Kirsten Smith. I was fortunate to get my master's degree with her and she leads a wonderful conference called Women Working in Technology each year. And she asked me to give the closing keynote, a motivational speech of sorts. And I promptly said, no, I thought it sounded horrible. And because she is my kryptonite, I eventually said yes. And I shared a story at the time framed around a major medical setback to come back. It might surprise you to discover just from looking at me now, I had a point in my early 30s where my hair fell out, my skin turned gray, I gained 55 pounds without having a baby. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed to a different color and no one knew what was wrong with me. So it took three and a half years to get to a correct diagnosis and another five years to get to a completely clean bill of health. And the story that I shared on the stage that day was about powerful pauses. And my discovery that the pauses we choose are more empowering than the ones that are forced upon us, right? We use that phrase, it gives me pause. And usually that means there's been a major crisis or disruption, like a global pandemic. And what I found was, When we learn to put pauses into our day, our life, our schedule in a thoughtful way, and we make that choice, it's empowering. It makes room for what matters most, a lesson I think we've all come back around to recently. A few days after the speech, a woman called me who I had not met before, and she said, I want to talk to you about your speech. She just wanted me to repeat that speech to some other audience or someone she was mentoring, perhaps. She said, your story was so compelling. We all saw ourselves in what looks like your success. I mean, your resume and LinkedIn profile look great. And you told us the very real story of the toll that stress can take on your body and on your being, how it feels to be unwell and out of alignment with your values and yet never miss a day of work and overwork. And she said, you just made us all feel so seen with your story. And I think you need to write it down. Now it turns out, she helps women launch businesses and she helped me get a trademark for my first book, Success with Less, and to really think about that launch journey. So I think about this as I did not choose to be an author, being an author chose me. And from that book, I then have a boss who was encouraging me to write down my methodology for listening to customers and creating better customer relationships, which became Listen Up. That relationship created the opportunity for the other two books. Working from home, which I wrote in less than 30 days during the pandemic in May of 2020. And then the follow on or sequel to that book, Success from Anywhere. Wow. 
Well, lucky us that accidental kryptonite scenario led to four books that we get to enjoy based on your words of wisdom and life lessons. So thank you very much for sharing that story. My pleasure. And I think about what's possible for all of us when we pause and just observe who and what comes into our day and into our life. If I had been too busy, per se, like we all will tell ourselves to take that call from her or I hadn't followed up, I think, wow, what might I have missed? And it's just a great reminder that sometimes it takes someone else to see something in us or or cultivate an interest, a talent, or an opportunity. And if we're too busy rushing from place to place to hear the message, we might miss a moment of opportunity that's really rewarding. What a good piece of advice. I love that. Keep that open mind and open heart, even if you will, that let good things come your way. Our tendency to be busy is an epidemic. And I like this message of pause, which is really, really powerful. So here on the Fresh Take show, Karen, we ask everyone the same five questions about the future of work. Are you ready to dive in? I am ready. In fact, I talk about in Success from Anywhere, a concept called the five-minute fix or kind of take five, you know, my strategy to think big, act small. I love the number five. We we already have great alignment. I love it too. It's my lucky number. So with that, it is time to get fresh. And Karen, my first question for you is how do you define the future of work? The future of work, and in fact, it's the subheading to the book, success from anywhere. But to me, the the future of work comes from the inside out and is built on a foundation of shared values. And what I've discovered is the most powerful alignment happens when we as employees are clear about our values and how our values show up in our everyday life. And then we can find alignment between our values and the values of the place where we work, the people with whom we work. And in fact, Stanford created something called the stress-free experiment. And they studied people. They asked people to spend 10 minutes with a physical pen and paper. You remember those, right? Pens and paper. Way back when. Way back when to write down your top value and how your top value shows up in your everyday life. And what they discovered is when you do that activity, even one time of considering your top value and how it shows up in your everyday life, you are able to access and demonstrate measurable improvement in your degree of resilience, your ability to access new ideas, minimize and eliminate burnout, and also to find new purpose. And when I think about that phrase, new purpose, When I think about the future of work, I think about values alignment, purpose-driven organizations, and places where everyone has the opportunity to live well, work well, and realize his, her, or their full potential. Music to my ears. I love all of that. So I'm excited for your answer to the next question, Karen, because if I could present you with a magic wand right now, what is one thing you would personally want to see change about work life? If you could sort of wave the wand and you change it, what would it be? Curiosity. Mm, Okay. Curiosity. And here's why I say this. When you think about 
the foundation of a building. I mean, we were just talking about constructing the future of work on a foundation of values. You know, if you examine any building, you know, a skyscraper down to your home or your dwelling place, and you pull away that beautiful landscaping around the edges and you really look at the foundation, you know, if you discover a crack in the foundation of any building, I mean, what eventually happens? It settles. And a building that has a cracked foundation that settles will eventually collapse in on itself. And I think what the pandemic illuminated is in a lot of ways what we have been settling for in this relationship with work and how it shows up in our lives. You know, we have settled in a lot of ways for approval, you know, likes and what we're really seeking. Our deepest desire is for acceptance. We've settled for mandates. Our deepest desire is for meaning and purpose. And in a lot of ways, we settled for blending when our deepest desire is for belonging. I mean, belonging is based on bonding, not blending, right? In so many organizations, people learn how to be masterfully adaptable and blend in to the organization. That doesn't create a true sense of belonging. What I see as the opportunity to move forward is curiosity that leads to creating choices. Choice is what moves us from limited to limitless. And choice only exists in this present moment when we get curious about what else might be possible. That was beautifully said. And it just sparked so many great visuals about this idea of like, are we blending in or are we really belonging? And I like what you said about belonging is about bonding. It's about connection. It's about bringing people together and not about trying to be that chameleon to look like everyone else. In fact, we know that diverse teams perform better. And so the the more unique you are, it's almost like, let that shine. Like that will bring unique value to the team, to the organization. So I think curiosity being the the catalyst for all, all of what you just shared is is a really wonderful way to frame uh, what could change right now. So as part of Fresh Take, so freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, which of these areas do you see as most pressing right now as we're thinking about the future of work, the evolving employer-employee dynamic, and, and maybe even some of the research that's gone into your own books? All of them are important. <laughs> you have to pick one. Simplicity. And here's why. Harder is a habit. Easier is a choice. We make things harder because we think that's how we're adding value if we're a leader, right? Got to put all these meetings out there. Got to show all this value I'm adding and check in on people. Harder is a habit. Easier is a choice. And as an example, many times I will work with teams and organizations, leaders and entrepreneurs, and they'll say to me, this all sounds great. I mean, we'd like to make some changes, but the reality is, I mean, we're just too busy to take that on right now. Here's an example of how simplicity could show up to create space for who and what matters most. When you look at your to-do list, when you look at your calendar that for many of your listeners has two and three meetings simultaneously booked back to back all day long, three questions and a bonus question to reclaim even five minutes since we're in a five question segment. 
reclaim five minutes, simplify your life, create space, three questions and a bonus question. First, does it have to be? Second, does it have to be me? Third, does it have to be me right now? And bonus question, does it have to be a meeting? And if you step back and ask those questions, you'll start simplifying. You'll create space. You'll create space to see things in a new way. What a great framework. And it's also a wonderful segue into our next question around managers. So how do you, how advice that you might have for leaders right now navigating all sorts of new normals, the sort of ongoing change that's that we're experiencing as part of work life. The framework you just shared, I think, is great advice, kind of looking at your calendar, simplifying. But anything else that you would suggest for leaders in this new now? The success or failure of the future of work rests with the middle, with middle managers. It's not the people at the top and it's not the people at the bottom. It is that middle layer. In fact, I dedicated an entire chapter of my working from home book to creating high performance distributed work cultures with a focus on reskilling and upskilling managers. Because when you think about it, managers are the first line of defense to understand how employees are feeling, how they're performing, how they're doing. And where I see the moment of opportunity is to step back and consider how to move the line on ownership. And here's what I mean by that. Ownership is a symbol of trust. We all have an example of a leader that came to us at some point in our career and said, I see that you're ready to take on something more. I want you to take my spot at this certain weekly meeting, for example, and give the team update. How do you feel in that moment? Right? You feel trusted. You're, you're being trusted to own something at the next level. And what do you do? You tend to perform better because you feel trusted with ownership. The opportunity that we have is What could each layer of leader release to someone else who is ready? How do you use moving the line on ownership as an opportunity to create trust, to create coaching opportunities, to create the opportunity for your employees to build networks of networks, which is what they want from you now as a leader, and to lift them up to the next level? We all feel greater ownership of what we help to create. What I encourage middle managers to do is engage the people in your teams to ask, what do you see that we could stop doing? What do you see we don't need to be doing right now? What are you ready to take on or own that perhaps I'm not seeing? What might I be missing? I've discovered two words that are very helpful because I too have been a middle manager at many points in my career. And I know how it feels to let go of something. It's this very scary thought of being a manager is already kind of a nebulous job in a way. I mean, You've never worked so hard in your entire life to have everyone think that you're not doing anything because after all, they're doing it all themselves, aren't they? Two questions to help you tap into your curiosity and to move from being a manager to a coach. Because here's what happens. Managers create dependence. Coaches create independence. I mean, if you think for a moment, what would happen if you were watching a sporting event at any level and you saw the coach come off the sideline and run the play? You would think it's absurd. That's not a coach. 
And we do it every day in business, don't we? The coach, the manager comes off the sidelines of coaching and comes onto the field to run the play. Two words to help move from manager to leader, from dependence to independence. I wonder. And here's how this works. Imagine right now you and I are working together and you bring a challenge to me as your manager, ideally coach or leader, that you're stuck. You know, you need a little help. Instead of telling you what to do, imagine what would happen if you and I had a conversation that went something like this. Let's say you're struggling to get the next software release out. I'm sure you can't relate to what that feels like. No, not at all. Not at all. We're going to miss the deadline. It's haywire. There's no possible path forward. Instead of saying, call Susie, call Bob, here's some extra budget and, and a contractor. And I'm going to schedule, you know, the daily stand-up meeting, right? We got to check in on this every night inconveniently during your dinner and family time. Imagine if instead I said to you, I wonder how we've solved for this in the past. I wonder who else on the team has been through the same experience. I wonder what would happen if we moved the deadline for the launch. I wonder how we could engage someone from another department. I wonder if we could release something smaller. What am I doing in that moment? I'm coaching you through just wondering, not solving. It's not, I wonder what would happen if you updated your LinkedIn resume and started looking for a new job because this might not work out for you. I wonder. I wonder says, let me help you think through creating choices that you could pursue as opposed to you have a problem, you come to me, I solve the problem. Now what happens? Well, every time you have a problem, you've got to come to me. Right. And that's habit. Yes. That's the harder is a habit, easier is a choice. Two words, I wonder. Can even just change the conversation. It can be that simple to get started. And it ties back to your curiosity comments from before. So wonderful, wonderful tips for us. So much packed in there, Karen. I I do have one final question for you. And it is, what's one company that you admire for their fresh take? One company that I admire, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the company where I work, Salesforce. I was pausing to think perhaps I should choose another example. And what I will share is this. What you see and hear about Salesforce in terms of business as the greatest platform for change, in terms of all of the opportunities to be well and have access to programs and people are true and authentic to the core of our culture. And I experience them as an employee every day in the interactions that I have inside of our company and with many of our stakeholders and customers as well. And I work with a lot of organizations and you know everybody does something well and something right. What I appreciate is we are extremely values-driven and those values can be subject to change. Like I was just talking about, we just added sustainability to our list of company values, the first new one we've added in quite some time. And we constantly are returning to our values. We are constantly offering people opportunities to be healthy, to get exposed to new ideas, to create. And it's unlike any experience I've ever had, truly in a very positive way. I feel so fortunate. Well, it's not the first time that Salesforce has been admired on this show. We've had at least one other guest, perhaps two other guests, admire Salesforce for what Salesforce does. So I don't blame you as an employee and experiencing the organization that you would 
share their fresh take. And I have to agree, based on an outsider looking in, it, it seems like a really wonderful organization. And fresh are Luna's core values. So I am also a big believer in values-based business and admire what Salesforce does there. So thank you for sharing that. Karen, I will make sure we get links to all of your books in the show notes. But how else can people connect with you? Where can they find you online these days? I regularly release new content on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And podcast and TV show coming soon across those channels as well. Wonderful. Okay, so we'll try to get links to all of those channels into the show notes so that people can follow and find you. And really just want to thank you for sharing all of your perspectives today. Some really awesome, actionable ideas for our listeners in how to embrace the future of work. And it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you to everyone else for listening in. And don't forget to stay fresh.